0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 8, from the life of Noah, on hereditary sinfulness and how God shows mankind compassion, not judgment for hereditary sinfulness, as God is compassionate to those that are made in His image. Now, before we begin with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God, we'd like to encourage you to consider making a contribution to this radio program, 100% of it will go towards keeping this Bible teaching radio program on the air in your city. We don't have any cost towards administrations, and it's 100% tax deductible. It will also have a matching donation that goes towards Israel Restoration Ministries and our Jewish evangelism outreach that reaches over 1.5 million lost Jewish people a year with the gospel, as well as many Gentiles. But we'd like to encourage you to give your 100% tax-deductible donation by donating online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or calling us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800 247 3051 Again, 800-247-3051. Help us to continue airing on this station in your city. Now, we also have exciting news that Tom Cantor has finished his Friendship with God Study and Resource Bible with over 2,200 pages and over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources, including 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references, as well as 12 custom-made color maps and a full nine-page color chart of the History of Israel timeline map, not to mention an incredible concordance and all these other helps and resources personalized by Tom Cantor to help you grow your friendship with God. And you can obtain this by calling us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. With shipping and handling, it's eighty We'll send that to you. So get the Tom Cantor Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible for eighty nine ninety nine. Call us at 800 247 or go online to friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching.
1: Noah built an ark and an altar. See, that would be fine. Noah would say, that's fine. He would say, the tombstone maker, make it that way. That's good. I'm happy. And nothing else is mentioned of his endeavors to start the community of man. Just Noah built an ark and an altar. And that's how God describes Noah. And that's how Noah's happy. To when you talk about me, all I want to be known as is the one who built an ark and an altar. And our lives are filled with so many, many endeavors. And we have endeavors at work, and we have endeavors at home, and we have endeavors at other places, and we have responsibilities, but our priorities, now we're talking not about what we do, but priorities. Our priorities should be Noah's priorities. Just two things, building an ark, and an altar. What's the ark represent? The ark represents God's salvation. That was God's way of saving man. So the ark represents the gospel. The ark represents how God saves man from the judgment of hell by the Lord dying on the cross for our sins. So to have a priority of the ark is to get married... To the same mission that the Lord Jesus Christ had when he said in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So when we have the priority of building an ark in life, that means that we, like him, are seeking to see the lost saved. It's to seek to bring the lost to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means to build an ark. To build an ark is to bring the lost to be saved through the Lord Jesus Christ what does the altar represent? Well, the altar represents worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, spending time with him, looking for what to thank him for and thanking him for that, learning about him, following him. That's what it all means to build an altar. So with all of our endeavors and all of our priorities, they should be like Noah's. We build an ark and we build an altar. I could say uh, that my priority is Standard Laboratory. My priority is uh, the, the 800 or so employees. I could say my priority is advancement of the business. I could say my priority is try to cure cancer, try to cure HIV, to get the clinic to cut, expand treat more patients, cancer and HIV. And Noah could have said, my priority is to build this first, post-flood community of man and see it expanded. Maybe they'll name a city after me, Noah might have said. But Noah didn't. And so we want to be just like Noah, who was known for building an ark and an altar. And then it says in verse 20 further that it doesn't just say that Noah built an altar. The verse says, Noah built an altar unto the Lord. If that verse had just said Noah had built an altar, maybe we'd wonder who he built the altar to. So there's no doubt about it. So it says that he built it an altar to the Lord. Building an altar without saying who the altar was to or who the altar was for is like being religious without being a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like going to church without worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like going to church, or a church, where the Lord Jesus Christ is not lifted up, he's not magnified, he's not adored, he's not worshiped. And in that kind of church... We feel a little bit like Mary in the garden when she came to go look for the body, and she didn't know she thought she was talking to the gardener, but she was talking to the Lord. But nevertheless, she said in John twenty thirteen, she said unto a woman, Why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Sometimes you go to church and you want to say that. <laughs> That's, that's why those three words in verse 20 are so important. It was not just an altar, it was an altar to the Lord. Noah was not just a religious man because it was expected to him this was an altar to Jehovah, Jehovah Jesus. Now, some people just build an ark and they don't have an altar. Okay? And that's like people who work day and night to evangelize and they never take time to worship. They never take time to worship the one to adore the one that they're telling other people about. So to only build an ark without building an altar will lead, first of all, to burnout, and it'll also lead the lost to see there's no spark of love in what he's talking about. Why would I want to get myself into that kind of bondage of having to go out there and knock on all those doors and so forth? On the other hand, to only build an altar without building an ark is to refuse to follow him. And that's not only hypocritical, that leads to a disaster in life. That's what the Lord described in Luke 4, 6, on the famous parable of the wise man built his house on the rock. He says, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? He says, I'll show you what that's like. It's like a man that built a house, and the one who does what I says, he digs down deep and lays a foundation. The flood arrives. Well, you know, the house in the firm. Remember? (laughs) And so, well, (laughs) but on the other hand, he says, you know, he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation, without a foundation, built a house upon the earth, and, and then the house on the sand went kabam. Now, so to only build an altar without building an ark is to not be a friend of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he said in John 15, 14, Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. So we want to be like Noah, who ordered his priorities in life, that he was known for building both an ark and an altar. And if you and I want to be like Noah, then we have to start now. We have to, this has to be our life. If we want to have that put on our tombstone, he built an ark and an altar, then it has to be what we're doing now. It's so easy to neglect. It's so easy to neglect the ark. It's so neat building the ark. It's so easy to neglect building an altar. It's especially important. Now, when Uh, should we worship God? Or for what should we worship God? So when those people got off the ark, they looked at Noah and they said, you really did live up to your name. You really did bring us rest and comfort from the way that the earth was or was heading. And so Noah then was seen as they got off the ark as the rest giver. This word offering means it comes from the root of a step, like a a step of a ladder, something that's ascending, something that's going up, something that's rising up. And so this shows us that offering is like a prayer. And Noah could have said, my priority is to build this first post-flood community of man and see it expanded. Maybe they'll name a city after me, Noah might have said. But Noah didn't. And so we want to be just like Noah, who was known for building an ark and an altar. Well, it's a, we won't take time to turn to it, but it's a very interesting passage when you look at Jacob's life, he had a terrible time in his life in Genesis 32. He felt trapped. Because at the end of Genesis 31, his loving uh, Laban uncle had told him that it is in the power of my hand to hurt you in Genesis 31, 29. So those were not nice words. And so Jacob is running from that one who wanted to kill him. And he's heading back to Esau. And the last thing he remembers about Esau was his mother saying to him, your brother is comforting himself, purposing to kill you. So, Genesis 27, 42. So, so he's got a real problem. He's got one saying that he wants to kill him. He's got another one he wants to kill him. And so, Jacob is approaching home, Esau, and then he hears in Genesis 32, 6, that, oh, Esau's coming out to meet you with 400 men. (laughs) So, why does he need 400 men? And And so, he thinks he's going to be slaughtered. And he makes a preparation to be slaughtered in Genesis 32. And then he wrestles with God and changes his name from Jacob to Israel. And then he meets Esau in Genesis 33. And they fall on each other's neck and kiss each other and, and weep.
0: Wonderful teaching. And we'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. In just a moment, we want to encourage you to go to our website and get some of Tom Cantor's materials for free at our bookstore, Free viewing, free downloading, and free reading of all of Tom Cantor's materials, many of them online. But there are many for purchase as well through our bookstore, which is also available at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also download this message for free. And you can also support this Bible teaching radio program at friendshipwithgod.org. Donate online, or you can call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Continue this Bible teaching radio program going on your station in your city with your support of Friendship with God. Again, our number is 800-247-3051. Now, here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher
1: here on Friendship with God. Now, it'd been real easy for Jacob to just walk away and say, that was a close call and to just say, now, what do I got to do now? What's the next problem? But not so fast, Jacob, because then in Genesis 35, 1, God says to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Remember that little incident there, Jacob? It says, you need to go back and make an altar. And that was a great deliverance for you. So that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to stop. And to look at what God has done for us and take time to worship him for caring for our sorry soul. To worship him for hearing our prayer, our emergency prayer. And for answering our prayer. See, that's why he told them there, go make an altar. So what do we worship God for? Well, that's the first time we worship God. And that's in Genesis 35, 3, when he turns to his family, such a family none of us should have, Anyway, he turns to his family and he says, Arise and go up to Bethel. I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. That event had just happened in Jacob's life. So what we see there is we worship God for what God has just done for us. That's what we worship him for. We worship him for what God has just done for us. Now, there was another time when one of the priests were teaching the Jewish people to worship him. And it says there in Second Kings 17.36, the priest said this, But the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt with great power, stretched out arm, him shall you fear, him shall you worship and to him shall you do sacrifice. Now that event that that priest was referring to at that time had happened over a thousand years before of being brought out of Egypt. So we see from what that priest was teaching the Jewish people that we worship God for what he did a long time ago. See. First one is we worship God for what he just did, and then we worship God for what he did a long time ago, and then we remember in Acts 16 when Paul and Silas were in a really bad situation, and it says they had laid many stripes on them. They cast them into prison, and they put their feet in the stocks, and those were not cotton lined metal stocks. though. Those were very painful stocks. So It talks about them. Joseph. it says, they hurt Joseph's feet in fetters. That's what it's referring to. So here's Paul and Silas. And so what do they do at midnight? They sing praises to God. So in other words, from that, we see that we worship God for what he will do. So what do we worship God for? We worship God for what he will do. We worship God for what he has just done. And we worship God for what he did a long time ago. Now, it says in verse 21... As we look back here in Genesis 8, it says here in verse 21 that even though Noah has built the altar, even though Noah has made the offerings, and the offerings were accepted a sweet savor to God, sweet, that God said something interesting in verse 21. He says he smelt a sweet savor, and he says in his heart he won't curse the ground anymore. And then he brings up this issue. The imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. That's what he says. It's like, why did you have to bring that up? But here God reminds Noah, the flood has not taken sin out of Noah's heart. And as the flood has not taken sin out of the Noah's family's heart, as we're going to see. And Noah's still a sinner. And Noah's children are still sinners. And even Noah's cute little grandchildren, they're sinners. And Noah's cute little great-grandchildren, they're sinners too. I remember my grandson, little Josh, who was only about four years old. And he was in the garage of my son Josh's house. And when Noah was looking... You know, he took some rocks, and he opened up the dryer, and he threw them in there, you know. <laughs> and so, and he was, uh, so, you know, the dryer is going around making all those noises. <laughs> Josh opens all those rocks in there, you know. So, <laughs> he see so he's, now he's trying to get him to own up to it. So, he says, you know, little Josh, he says, he says, Joshie, what did you do? You know, i never forget the classic. It was classic. The little kid, he's only four years old, drops his head, you know, like this. He walks away and says, I don't want to talk about that right now. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why didn't he want to talk about that right now? Because the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. And so, why? That's what it is. And so, the altar, and, and so, when God says to us, What did you do? You know, we do the same thing. I don't want to talk about that right now. We say later, Lord, I'll talk about that. Because the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. So, what he's telling him there is that the altar needs to be a place of confession. You're going to need that confession. The confession, because sin didn't die in the flood, and sin didn't die when you and I received the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when Noah, so, that, so, the, so the altar is a place of worship, of thanksgiving, and of confession. And he burns up all the offerings there, which is symbolic of the whole burnt offering. So it's a place of where we wholly dedicate ourselves to God. Now, what's very interesting here is the next part, what Noah did. Now, when Noah did what he did, built the altar and made the offerings, God makes a statement in verse 21 where he says he won't curse the ground Again, that's what he said. So, and by the way, where did God make that statement? What does it say? Verse 21. Verse 21. Where did God make the statement? In his heart. In his heart. In his heart. That's something. I mean, what, imagine that. Within the heart of God, God says this. Imagine that. What's happening here is going on in the very heart of God. What Noah did caused a response within the very heart of God. Now, what's the response that God has? Well, God's response to Noah is that he makes him a promise. And he says, the promise is that he's not going to curse the ground anymore. Okay? Verse 21, I won't curse the ground anymore for man's sake. Neither will I again smite anymore every living thing that I have done. Verse uh, Genesis 9, 11, Neither shall all flesh, kol basar, be cut off anymore by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. Genesis nine fifteen the water shall no more become a flood to destroy Kolbisar, all flesh. Okay, so as part of his promise also to not curse the ground, God promises to maintain cycles of the day and cycles of the season, and that's verse 22. He says, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So what's going on here? It seems simple enough. I mean, you know, number one, Genesis 8.20, Noah builds an altar, an altar for sacrifice. Number two, Genesis 8.21, God's pleased, promises not to destroy the earth with water again. But this seems very simple. It's very simple on the surface, but not so fast. Not so fast, because there's something far more profound which is going on here. There's a very important part of God's promise that we don't want to miss. And it can be seen in the word and. I mean, you get a clue to it when you look at Genesis 9, 9. And when God starts off, and says, and I behold. You know, remember the word behold? That's the wake up word. That's what God says. Wake up, wake up. You're reading this. Wake up. I want you to see this. He says, look carefully. Something really important is about to come here. Behold, he says, I establish my covenant with you. And, and, and with your seed after you. And and with every living creature that is with you and the fowl and so forth in genesis 9:12 god said this is the token of the covenant which i make between me and you and and every living creature that's with you for perpetual perpetual generations genesis 9:15 and i will remember my covenant which is between me and you and and again every living creature of all flesh and the waters and so forth. And then it goes on in verse 16, and he says, And the bow will be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh. That's upon What's going on here? What's happening here? It's not as simple as we just said. Noah builds an ark, and he offers a sacrifice. God makes a promise that extends beyond Noah to colonel extends beyond Noah to all flesh. Noah offers a sacrifice and thousands of years later, thousands of years later, we benefit from what Noah did. Now, that's a picture. That's a picture for us of priestly intercession. Noah did something that pleased God and God made it to benefit far beyond Noah. In fact, Kolbisar, every man and every living creature. One person pleased God and it benefited others. Noah is in essence, therefore, as we look at him here, this is what a priest is. Noah is a priest. Why? Because this man, Noah, standing as a representative of man, does something that pleases God and therefore Noah is able to, to extend the blessing far beyond himself to others. Noah is able to extend the blessing to the uttermost. That's a very important picture when we couple it together with Hebrews 7, where it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ as this man. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able... "...to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lived to make intercession for them." This man, Noah, standing as the representative of man, pleased God, and the blessing extended to the uttermost, far beyond Noah. This man, the Lord Jesus Christ, standing as the representative of man, pleased God, And the blessing extended far beyond this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the uttermost. This man, the Lord Jesus Christ, he was standing as the representative of man. Just like Noah, he pleased God, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So, we've seen today how this man, Noah, was very, very important, and his life affected kol all flesh. That's why God started the use of the term all flesh with the man Noah. And that's because he's he's a type or an example of the Lord Jesus Christ, who also did something that affects all men. As we saw before, the salvation is for all men. And of all men, of all flesh, they come out of every kindred, nation, tongue, and tribe. And so we see here the extended blessing which has come as a result of that. That's our person, Noah. That's our person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we've seen here this morning is how when he brought forth of all flesh, he was then standing as the representative for all flesh that had been saved because they were with him in the same way that only those who are with the Lord Jesus Christ are going to be saved. And so therefore we see in him. And this brings us now to the next part, which we're going to cover next week as Noah goes forth now in his life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you did in the life of Noah. And thank you for caring so much for us that you took a lot of trouble to write it down exactly so that we could open a book this morning, God's book, your book, and be just as if we were right there with you and Noah. And we understand, Lord, that you've done all that writing and all the trouble of making sure it was written and copied down, Lord, letter by letter and jot by jot and tittle by tittle so that we could have it preserved today and be able to open it and have you teach us just like you taught Noah. And we pray, Lord, that what we've learned today will help us to be like Noah and that we would be known for building an ark and building an altar. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We get such great teaching here on Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And if you would like to support this Bible teaching radio program staying on the air, you can donate by calling us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can also donate online at God. friendshipwithgod.org. Remember, 100% of your donation goes towards Jewish evangelism and keeping this Bible teaching radio program on the air. None of it's kept for administration costs or fees or anything like that. It's 100% tax deductible. So please consider donating to Friendship with God and continuing this wonderful Bible teaching radio program on this station in your city. We need your help. Call us 800-247-3051. Don't forget if you're listening and would like to join Israel Restoration Ministries full-time in the Southern California area, or maybe you'd like to volunteer with our Jewish Evangelism ministry anywhere in the nation, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, and if you can't work for us full-time or volunteer, you can always support us with your donation to reach lost Jewish people, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God.